welcome to this inspiring message brought to you by Kingsword Media Outreach, a part of Kingsword Ministries International. We hope this teaching inspires you and transforms you into all that God has destined you to be. Please stay tuned for more information about Kingsword Ministries International following this message. May God bless you as you listen. Bow your heads in a minute. Precious Jesus, we want to see you today. Reveal yourself to us in ways even beyond my study, in ways even beyond what I have come to know. This morning, let there be a revelation of you that will leave none of us the same. Let us come into a place of encounter like we've never seen before. Let us be changed from the inside out. Let newness happen to us. In this house this morning, let only you be glorified. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Glory to God. We started talking about the revelation of Jesus, the unveiling. The, it's a study about the book of Revelation and all that the book contains. In Revelation chapter 1, from verse 1, it says, It is the revelation of Jesus which God gave him to show his servants things which must surely take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus, to all things that he saw. And then he said, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. So you and I are blessed coming to the understanding of the revelation of Jesus. I mentioned that this book of revelation is, it's translated the apocalypsis, the uncovering or the unveiling or the revealing. All right? As much as um, a lot of people shy away from reading the book because of all the tribulations, the judgment, and all of those kind of things, it really is about the unveiling of Jesus. And when Jesus is revealed, he doesn't bring fear. He doesn't bring chaos. He brings love. He brings peace. He brings clarity. He brings understanding. That's why you see when, when John would encounter the angel and then he fell, the angel would say to him, fear not. Because of the things he saw, fear came in. But when you see Jesus, fear gets out of the way. 
you cannot behold Jesus and behold fear. No. The fear will come because of what you don't understand. But the moment he opens up himself to you, you will see his love. You will see his passion. You will see his grace like never before. I was sharing with us uh, I don't know, last week or the week before. I was in a training um, a couple of weeks ago. And the facilitator asked in the training that when you come in contact with God, what are the questions that you would ask him? What are the things you would ask him? And sincerely, I didn't have an answer. And when he passed around and came back to me again, and he asked, what would you ask Jesus? Or what would you ask God if you were able to come in, con uh, in front of him? And uh, I said, I wouldn't ask him anything. Because if I ask him, he will answer me. I said, I will just behold him. If I behold him, I will know all things. And I will not need to ask him anything. And for me, it wasn't just a response to his answer. It was, he was, he was, he was questioning the depth of my being. Because my entire life, I have always longed for the presence of God. Whenever growing up, when preachers come to preach and they say, ask God for one thing, I just laugh at them and say, are you sure? I don't need anything from him. It's not like I don't have needs. I have needs, but I need to see him. I just want to behold him. I just want to be in his presence. Say, ask him for anything. Anytime, even up until now, when people come and, and preach and say, oh, there's a power of God present here. Ask God for one thing. I just smile. I say, God, if I ask you for a million dollars, you will give me. I will spend it. If I ask you for a Lamborghini, you will give me. I'll drive it and I'll, be, I'll have to repair it at some time. But I just want you. I just want to wake up every morning and behold you. And know that you are there. My needs will still be there. Till Jesus comes, I will have needs. Till he comes, there will be issues to solve. So don't solve everything. The ones that can be solved, fine. The ones that can't be solved. But I just want to behold you every day. I don't want a day to pass that I'm not beholding your glory. So that for me was, uh, was a question that, that, that went deep down inside of me. So when God began to talk to me about the unveiling and he said I should talk about how Jesus is revealed. So I said, okay, where, where, where would I start with that? He said, it's the book of Revelation. I said, no, it's about heaven and hell and, and tribulation and judgment and everything. He said, no, it's about Jesus. Go back to read. So I started reading and I was amazed and shocked that, wow, everything from Revelation 1 to 22, 22 chapters was talking about the revelation of Jesus, talking about him, his plan, his power, his glory. His glory. So last week in part one, we started talking about the seven letters that he wrote to the seven churches. And I told you that in biblical terms, seven is the number of completion, the number of perfection, the number of wholeness. Wholeness. So he wrote seven letters. And all through Revelation, I think seven, the number seven was mentioned about 54 times or so. So we saw different numbers. We'll come to that. 124,000, uh, um, 24 elders, um, um, 
144,024 elders and different numbers like that will come to understand what they mean. All right. So, but the number seven means perfection. It means completeness. It means wholeness. So he sent seven letters to seven churches at the time in Asia Minor, present-day Turkey. He sent seven letters to them and then told them certain things, things that they were doing right, things that they should do wrong, and I commanded them what they should do um, afterwards, and if they don't do it, what and what will happen. So that seven means wholeness, and wholeness means completion. It means that if it was important then, it is important now. If he sent those letters to those seven churches at the time that it was relevant, then it's relevant now, because it's whole, it's complete. Nothing missing, nothing broken. And then from there, why not talk about seven seals, seven bowls, seven signs, seven trumpets. They all, those, they all mean about the same thing. It's like looking at something from four different angles. Looking at something from four different angles. All right. So at the core of the purpose of the book of Revelation is the consciousness and awareness that Jesus suffered and died on our behalf to redeem us from our sins. And that he's coming again to glory and honor. So the entire book is saying that Jesus died, suffered for us. It is important that if he died, we understood his death. We understood how he died. We saw his suffering. Then we should see his glory. We should see his glory. All right. Romans 8 and verse 16 says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. So if we have seen His suffering, then we should see His glory. Are you with me? If we witness His death, then we should also see His glory. 1 Peter 4 and verse 12 says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. He said, But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering that when his glory is revealed you may also be glad with exceeding joy. So it's a revealing of the glory of Jesus despite the suffering. And John would say in Revelation 1 and verse 4, it says, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to God our Father and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So we've seen his death. We've seen his rulership over the earth. We've seen that he loved us and he washed us from our sins and the blood. But we've not seen his glory. So Revelation is talking about his glory. A part of it was talking about his glory. How that his glory will be revealed. And then we'll see him in all splendor that he is. We'll see him in everything. So the unveiling of Jesus, it brings hope to a dying world. When Jesus is revealed, there is no fear. When he's revealed, hope comes alive. 
Hope comes alive. And the book of Revelation came at a time of hopelessness. At a time of hopelessness. To give hope in times of persecution. At that time, the church was being persecuted. John was kept on the Isle of Patmos, left there to die. So he came to give hope to hopelessness. And it came to a person left without hope. John the beloved was left without hope. So at the time the book came, it came to give him hope. And it came in a place without any chance of hope. I explained to us how the Isle of Patmos is. That at that time it was somewhere not inhabited fully. So if you find yourself in a place where there is no hope. If you find yourself being left in a place where it seems there is no hope. Or if you find that you are in a time where it looks like there is no hope around in the world. Then you need to realize that in that book of Revelation, you should draw hope. That it should give you hope. Reading the book should give you hope. Understanding what Christ has done should give you hope. Glory to God. It should bring hope. So chapters, last week we, we, deal, we dealt with chapters 1 to 3. Today I'll attempt to deal with chapter 4 and 5. I've categorized them in such a way that um, for easy understanding and how they are relevant together. Okay? So today I want to deal with chapters 4 and 5. And in my study I realized that these two chapters were talk, was talking about hope. It was talking about the fact that um, the unveiling of Jesus, the appearance of Jesus brought hope to the world and missed everything. It brought hope to the world. It talked about uh, the power of Jesus as the lamb. And it talks about the kingship of Jesus and his throne. And then towards the later part, it was explaining about the seven seals, how the opening of the seven seals. We'll deal with that um, next week. But today, I want to dwell on um, chapters 4 and 5. So from chapter 4, we saw that there's a switch from what's happening on earth to what is happening in heaven. So from chapters 1 to 3, it was talking about the things that were happening on earth. The letters sent to the churches and how the churches uh, needed to conduct themselves, how they need to behave, how they need to deal with certain things. And talked about a church being lukewarm. Say, no, I don't want you lukewarm. I want you on fire for me. That if you were cold, I would know what to do to you. If you were hurt, I would know what to do to you. But you're neither cold, you're neither hot. But I need you to be in one place so I know the direction to go. Talked about the, the church that did this and did that and told them, this is what I want you to do. So if it was relevant then, it's relevant now. So he switched in chapter 4 to what was happening um, on earth to what is happening in heaven. So let's start from verse 1. It says, after these things I looked up and behold, Revelation chapter 4. And behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, Come up here and I will show you things which, you must, which must take place after this. I realize that there are certain things that you can't understand in the natural except you come up to the place of the spirit. There are certain things that were not going to be uh, 
unveiled to you or revealed to you in the natural. Though they are happening in the natural, but you need the spirit experience to understand them. To understand them. So he looked up and saw a door and said, come up here. I will show you things which must take place after this. So immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like, not, not describing the glory of Jesus. Describing his person, what he saw, his countenance. Describing who he is. At the time on earth, he couldn't, everything he said, listen to what he said, was like as jasper and a sedious stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. He was describing the glory of the one who sat on the throne based on what he knows. So if I say this is white and the white is uh, you ladies know how to do colors. You say there's burnt orange and burnt what is burnt? It's burnt. I don't know what burnt orange. Say there's burnt orange and uh, lemon green and burnt pink. So what white is this one? Church white. Can you imagine? Chalk white. Jesus Christ. Can't it just be white? Must it be? Okay. So I'm describing this and I'm saying it's chalk white. Why did I not say unku white? Because I don't know what unku is. I don't have the benefit of hindsight of unku to describe this white. So John is saying that his appearance is like as Jasper. It's because he knows Jasper. If he doesn't know Jasper, he will say his appearance like, mm, I don't know. So when we see Jesus, we, we describe him based on what we know. What we know is not really who he is. But he allows us to describe him like that for the sake of the moment. He said, when we see him, we will know and we shall be like him. He said, it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when we see him, we will be like him. So the description of Jesus, when John saw who was sitting on the throne, he said, it's like Jasper. It's because he knows Jasper. So that's the closest to the revelation. God will give you a revelation of Jesus closest to what you already know. But many of us have missed it. Many of us have missed it. Just like those guys on the way to um, Emmaus. And then he was talking with them. And they didn't know he was Jesus. They didn't know he was him. And he, but he was right there talking with them. But they didn't know. How many times have Jesus appeared to you in a form that you already know, but you didn't know it was Jesus. His instruction came. His word came. You didn't know it was him. 
There's something I do consciously all the time. Whenever I go to a place and someone is speaking, irrespective of who the person is, I say, God, can you speak to me through this person? The fact that I'm here and I want to hear you, you there must be something you will say through this person that I would hear. So no matter who is talking, if I take that attitude, I always see Jesus. Because I'm not looking at you. I'm looking at him that is speaking through you. And even if you are saying rubbish, I will ask him that translate that his rubbish to something I can understand. If he can speak through a donkey. Come on. Bela Mambelak. One of them was Babalao. But he used him. So the moment you take the stand that look Jesus I want to see you in everything. He reveals himself to you in a way that you can understand. The person may be saying rubbish. That's why I have a challenge with people who say you know what um, what pastor preached today I don't think pastor is on fire. Look you are the one not hearing. Honestly I don't need to be on fire for you to see Jesus. You need to have a receiving ear. It's not what I'm saying. It's what he's saying to you. What I am saying is different from what he's saying to you. It's scripture. When the disciples received the Holy Ghost, the Bible said they heard them speak in their language. Question, were the disciples speaking in their language? But they heard them speak in their language. What they said and what they heard was different. What happened in between? There was a revealing. So whenever you come, you when people give excuse that, oh, I can't sense the presence of God here. <laughs> you are joking. If you stay in a club and they are playing, what's that song? La Babuluku. They are playing that song. <laughs> I heard the song one day. I was driving. I was like, what is, I had to go to Google to find out. I'm that inquisitive. I don't shy away from it. I want to know. Don't come and tell me, Bobo. So I went to Google. I typed something from Buluku. It didn't bring it out. I typed another one because I didn't know what it was. So I brought, it brought out the whole thing and I was reading. I was like, it doesn't make any sense. And it was making waves everywhere. So you go to the club and they are singing Yaba Buluku. And you're there. You say, okay, uh, God, you know what? Because Yaba Baluku is playing, the presence can be here. If you focus long enough, you that you are there on your knees, you can generate enough energy and power right there on your knees that Yaba Baluku will change to holy who you Lord all over the place. Why? Because there is a revealing. Do you understand what I'm saying? There is a God can reveal himself anywhere. Most times we try to make the place about us and the thing about us. No. If you focus long enough on Jesus, he will reveal himself to you anywhere at any time. He will reveal himself to you. Howbeit, you may look at it and say, it's like Jasper, but you are beholding him. But you are referring to something you already know. But he will be revealed. So he talked about his clothes. He was clothed in white robe and a crown of gold on his head. 
and from the throne proceeds lightning, thunders, and voices. Said seven lambs of fire were burning from the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Said before the throne there was a sea of glass, like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in the back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature like a calf. The third living creature like a face of a, of, like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. Said the four living creatures each having six wings were full of eyes. I tried to draw this description. It was not a pleasant you go home, try and read it, okay. Um, seven lamp. Okay. Eyes, front and back. <laughs> okay. Front. Put it. First living creature, lion. Draw lion. Second, calf. When you finish and look at it, you say, God, what's beautiful about this thing? Because it's from our understanding. Because it's from our thinking. Because it's from our own perspective. We don't see it as beautiful and as lovely because of hindsight. But when you behold him and see him as he is, wow, you see he's beautiful. Beautiful. He said they did not rest day or night and then they sang holy, holy, Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sat on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. You see, when you come before the throne of God, yourself dissipates. You are no longer conscious of yourself. All you want to do is give him glory. All you want to do is ascribe praise to him. That's all you want to do. And then it gets better in chapter 5. It says that I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back. Sealed with seven seals. That's the number seven again. So the God the Father sits on the throne, holding the scroll that was written in front and back, and they're now sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to lose its seal? So imagine there is a description of the throne of God. How majestic the throne is. There's a description of what is in the hand of the Father. And then the question now is who is. Remember, I said the, the book of Revelation is about Jesus, his plan, his power, his glory. So, but then it needed it need to give us a background on why he is the Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. So, who is worthy? To open the scroll. Who is worthy to take the scroll out of the, out of the hand of the Father? And he said, And no one in heaven or on earth, or under the earth, was able to open the scroll or to look at it. He said, So I wept much because no one was found worthy 
to open and read the scroll or to look at it. Said, but one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to lose its seven seals. It's about hope. What could not be done, Jesus has done it. It's about hope. It's telling us that, look, weep no more, fear no more. When you were afraid before, Jesus has done it. He has done it. What could not be done? The lion of the tribe of Judah, the lamb that was slain, he has done it. So there is hope in Revelation. When Jesus is revealed, there is hope for the situation. No more fear. No more fear. He said, I looked and I behold in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. See the power of Jesus. See who he is. What he did for you and I. What could not be done. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp, a golden bowls, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. That's what he came to do so that you and I can reign, can rule. So he did all these things for us. That's why God is revealing him. Telling us what could not be done and what the lamb has come to do. Redeemed us from our sins, saved us. By his own blood, every tongue and every tribe, every people and nation on the earth. And then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne. The living creatures and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and 10,000 of thousands. What it was saying is that I couldn't count them. And all of them together were saying, Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and as such are in the sea and all that are them. I heard them saying blessing and honor and glory and power to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. Forever and ever. So where there was no hope, where there was weeping, it says weep no more. The lamb has done it. Weep no more. The savior has done it. Weep no more. There is hope. There is hope. There's so much chaos on it right now. But when you read the book of Revelation and you see Jesus, you know that there is hope. Glory to God. You know there is hope. What cannot be done has been done because of Jesus. What seems impossible becomes possible. The Bible says there is hope for a tree. If it falls. Aha. Oh, shut At the sound of, of water, at the appearing of water, it will sprout again. That's what it's talking about. What did he say about Jesus in the beginning? He said, I saw from his mouth 
two-edged sword. And water in scripture talks about the word. It says at the sprinkling of water, when water just shows up, it will sprout again. It will sprout again. So Jesus has come to give you and I hope. In a dying world, he has come to give us hope. In a world of impossibilities, he has come to give us hope. In a world where there is fear and chaos and turmoil, he has come to give us hope. Glory to God. It says, then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him. He will live forever and ever. He lives forever and ever. Glory to God. Someone say he lives forever and ever. So despite what is happening on earth, there is a place in the spirit that you must behold at all times. It's the place of the throne of God where there is hope. And that when you read and see that he was able to take the scroll out of the hand of the father, then you have hope and you are comforted. Glory to God. I like what the Bible says in Ephesians 6 and 16. The English Standard Version. It says in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. <laughs> in all circumstances, when I understand that I have hope in Christ Jesus, in all circumstances, I take on the shield of faith. No matter the circumstance, I take on the shield of faith. Why? Because I know there is hope. Because I know that the Lamb is worthy to open the scroll. So whatever the enemy throws at me, I'm comforted that there is hope. That nothing can take my place with God. That nothing can separate me from the love of God. No. I know that there is hope. Come and say out loud, there is hope. There is hope. Oh, there is hope. There is hope. He's worthy. He's worthy. So everything switched from earth to heaven. Switched to a place of possibilities. A place of possibilities. It's telling you and I and look, on earth, you will see impossibilities. But the moment you behold him that is in heaven, as it is in heaven, so will it be on earth. He didn't say as it is in, on earth, so will your life be. No. So where you look for hope is not on earth. It's in heaven. Help does not come from abroad. It comes from above. It comes from above. So when you look above, that's why I told him at the beginning, say, come up here. Come up here. Let me show you possibilities. Come up here. Let me show you things that are possible. If you stay here in this realm, you'll be frustrated. You'll be depressed. You'll be confused. But the moment you come up to a place in heaven, in the spirit, I can show you things. And when I show you things, you'll know that the Lamb has done it all. When I show you things, you'll know that what was impossible is now possible. But if you stay here, you'll keep seeing things as impossible. Oh, pastor, when will this happen? When will that happen? When will this happen? When will that happen? But the moment you come to a place in the Spirit, you won't ask those questions anymore. You won't ask those questions anymore. Because you realize that he has done everything. And then what happens? He gives you a new song. The situation has not changed, but he's giving you a new song. 
You haven't seen the victory yet, but he's giving you a new song. And then people are asking you, but I haven't seen anything change, so you don't understand. I went higher. I went higher. I went to another realm. I saw things that were not here. I saw possibility that does not exist here. Though the situation has not changed, but I've seen hope. I've seen that it's possible. I've seen that the lamb has taken the scroll. What could be more difficult? I mean, the 24 elders, the angels, all of them crying that there is no hope. There is no hope. Everywhere, there is no hope. But one came, who's the lamb, and said, my blood, my life, I've given so that you can have hope. Stand to your feet. Glory to God. The appearing of Jesus is an appearance that brings assurance. Despite the things happening on the earth, what the Lord wants you and I to do is to behold Him. In spite of the things that are going on, to behold him, to look upon his face and to see possibilities. Oh, Shandara Bahayala. Oh, Lema Kandara Hashida Sahai. Oh, I see the glory of God here today. <laughs> Just lift your hands to him. Hope is coming for you today. <laughs> hope is coming for you today it says worthy is the lamb worthy is the lamb he's done everything he's done everything he's done everything he's done everything lift your hands to him oh shantanama nama kobarabaha shilalosahai oh mande geledoso sonanande geledoshahai what Jesus has done is complete and final. What Jesus has done is everlasting. He said he rules forever and ever. Ever and ever. And worthy is the lamb that was able to take the scroll and to look into it and to open it. Worthy is the lamb word is the lamb I want to agree with people today if you're in situations that look hopeless it looks hopeless just come towards me say God I've tried everything I could but it looks hopeless it looks like there is no hope it looks like I can't just find help anywhere will give you a new song he will give you a new song he will give you a new song the lamb who is worthy to take the scroll the lamb who is worthy to open its seals 
The lamb who is worthy. Who has brought hope to a dying world. Will bring hope to whatever the situation. To whatever the situation. Lift your hands to him. The preceding message was brought to you by Kingsword Ministries International. For information about Kingsword Ministries, visit us at kingsword.org for information and additional resources. Thank you for listening to this message. And remember, where the word of a king is, there's power.